0: Hello and welcome to the Temple Trek podcast. Before the episode begins and before we get into a mix of serious and some hopefully lighter moments in our episode discussion this week, um, I wanted to uh, put this little segment in at the beginning of the episode. The episode Fusion in Enterprises Season 1 deals with elements of domestic abuse and rape and sexual assault. If you have suffered any of these things or are affected by any of the discussions brought about in this episode of the Temple Trek about Enterprise Season 1's fusion, I would like to put in some useful numbers um, for you to talk to people and gain the support that you deserve. Of course, in an emergency situation here in the UK, dialing 999 or in the US 911 is of course the first port of call. However, if you are uncomfortable doing this, here in England, there is a support line for domestic abuse victims, and that is 0808-2000-247. Alternatively, you can go to the gov.uk website. In Northern Ireland, it is the 0808 number, but it is 802-1414. In Wales, it ends in 8010800. In Scotland, it is For domestic abuse against men there is a UK wide number and that is 0808 801 0327. There is of course uh, a support line for any crime or abuse victim of any kind. It is a support line and will help you gain the support you need and that is 0808 168 9 triple one. This is a UK podcast and of course the numbers I've provided are for UK listeners. We do have many listeners in the US and Canada and several other international countries as well. I implore you to uh, check your local government websites or any support victim lines that you can find. Uh, Talk to someone, get the support you need and know that this podcast stands with you and believes in victims and all of the support they require. I hope you find this episode entertaining, informative, and at least an honest discussion of the issues surrounding this episode. If you would like to get in touch with feedback, if you just want someone to talk to, please feel free to treat the Temporal Trek as a community, as something that will support you, believe in you, and hopefully offer you some comfort. As always, thank you very much for listening. And now on with the show. Space Time This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Temporal Trek podcast. Uh, We are carrying on with Enterprise Season 1. We're in Season 3, Episode 18 of this podcast, and Season 1, Episode 16 of Enterprise for the chrono date. For anyone keeping those chrono dates in order, uh, if you are, you're crazy. Um, It's hard enough for me to to try and figure it all out as well. Uh, But this episode is a tough one. This is fusion. Uh, This is the episode where T'Pol is assaulted. Straightforward. There's nothing, no other way of uh, describing this episode. There are other things that happen and lots to talk about. Uh, and I won't be doing this one alone. Thankfully, again, uh, Dan from the Academic Trek is helping me again. Um, so I'm just going to call him up on the device. Uh...
1: Incoming transmission.
0: Dan, are you
2: there? Yes, I am. Hello. Hello it, again.
0: It's always wonderful to have you uh, again. You are saving the audience from the deadly, deadly thing of the solo show for the Temple <laughs> Trek, um, and yeah, you've come in on a very tough episode. I think if I'd done this as a solo one, this would have been very hard to to talk about, um, uh, just subject matter and everything else. And it, it's nice to have maybe someone to bounce a few ideas off of, at least for this episode. Uh, a light episode. I think Um, we were just chatting before we started recording. Uh, There's not a lot that actually happens in this episode, but there is a lot to obviously talk about. Um, so uh, we'll go through it, obviously. Uh, anyone who's listening, if this is a tough subject matter for you, uh, you would have just heard my uh, previous recording just at the beginning of this episode with uh, any numbers, any um, advice lines um, for you to get into contact. If something like domestic violence or other things uh, have happened to you, you know, do get into contact, do talk to people, um, and make sure that you are getting the support you need. Now um just before we get started how are you doing dan everything okay
2: yeah fine thank you not too bad looking forward to recording the ever as of you course. say it's quite a tough episode in lots of ways this one so yes we're, we'll mm. see how we go absolutely
0: well let's open up with the episode uh, as we locate the episode in our l rating system we have a picture of a nebula the Arachnid Nebula. Nebula. Can't even say the word. Uh, The Arachnid Nebula. And uh, we get Archer, who's looking at this data pad, and then he's also got a book, uh, an old sort of kid's library book uh, with the same nebula on it. And he's showing it to to Paul. He's sort of showing off um, that that he he loved this idea and he had a telescope as a kid for his eighth birthday um, and that it would be great to see it in real life and... I love this little vignette and I've loved all the vignettes we've had for season one. So far, these little character pieces that aren't necessarily, uh, part of the episode. They don't have to be there. They could have been in a completely different episode. You could plug it out and have it something else. Um, there's it sort of plays in this nebula does play in into the episode later but it didn't have to be there there could have been something else written in to, to be this uh we learn about admiral johnny archer uh, that he wrote in the book as he had high hopes for himself uh, and then we discovered there is a old vulcan shuttle out there with some different vulcans than we're used to um over to you dan uh, any thoughts on this opening sequence
2: um, yeah. Again, I really liked it. I agree with you. I think it's really nice. Um, again, it, it plays into this sort of the newness of space for for humans, you know, and, and mm. the fact that he's, you know, he was a billion billion miles away from it when he was a kid, and it was looking at him and thinking about it, and now he's there, and that must have be that must be a wonderful feeling, you know, mm. it must be fantastic. So yeah, I, again, I really like and I agree. The vignettes are really nice, mm. generally in, in season one. Um, I think the um, um, Admiral was quite a nice little touch. I quite like that. Again, it didn't need to be there, but it was. It was quite a nice. It's sort of thing an eight-year-old would do, you know. So yeah, again, I, I agree with you. I think it works really well
0: yeah i have to say the uh the the eight-year-old that i used to be when i used to write you know uh, president hitch oh yeah that sounds nice you know uh, prime minister hitch oh yeah that was pretty good too yeah we always have an inflated sense of ourselves when we're younger so it's always nice um i do like with the the opening sequence that we do get to meet the vulcan straight away that it isn't just the vignette as we've seen in previous episodes in season one and um you have then the introduction of the episode as well. So it's nice that it's just not just a vignette. We then go straight into um, the part of the episode, the plot of the episode, where we are meeting these friendly Vulcans. And you get it the sense that they are different straight away. He's smiling. Uh, he's got longer hair. The bowl cut is sort of there, but he's got a mullet to go with it. So he's definitely a different kind of Vulcan. Um, and that you've seen this old style shuttle that even Topol isn't quite familiar with. Uh, and we meet Captain Tavin. And uh, he's talking about, um, you know, they're friendly Vulcans. They they want to have a laugh and a joke. And it's just weird to see. It's nice to see, but it's weird to see at the same time. It's disconcerting, certainly for someone who's seen a lot of Star Trek, to have this. And it does put me in mind of one of my um, uh, my guilty pleasures, I suppose I should say, as it's not a popular movie, but it's the opening of Star Trek V, where we see Sarek, uh, as we see uh, Cyborg uh, laughing. Um, and it made me think of that. Maybe, you know, it was a little homage to to having uh, a Cyborg laughing at the beginning. We've got uh, a Vulcan with a mullet. We go from the credits uh, into finding out that this ship needs repairs, that they're a little bit behind their schedules on, on getting things working. But that they're going to ex- explore the nebula as well. And they want to stay here and, and observe. Um, that we get the meal scene we're in the mess hall and uh he wants to eat chicken he's not a vegetarian like to uh, and even though they are assuming that he is because of everything they've gone through with to um there is a bit of an oh my moment uh sulu wise where he says we've spent eight years exploring ourselves Ooh. um <laughs> very unusual words uh, but we learned that they are um searching for a lack of logic or a different way of exploring logic, uh, which is called Kosh Vitor. And it's the first time we've ever heard of that in the podcast. Um, and that they will have three to four days of repairs, which uh, we've just had Shuttlepot 1, where we uh, had uh, Lieutenant Hess, who was the backup engineer who we've never met before, but was able to miraculously make a new door for the shuttle bay. Um, I, you know, why it's taking her only three to four days, I would have thought she could do it in you know 24 hours, you know, beating trip quite easily. But there we go. Uh, any thoughts on the meal scene with the Vulcans?
1: Yeah,
2: I think it was, an, again, an interesting little scene. Um, and it, what it did very well, as you say, very quickly, was to to, to mark these Vulcans out as very different. You know, meat, eating meat is, you know, just not a Vulcan thing. And we know that right through, you know, it's just not done. Um, so I think that was very sort of succinct um, storytelling, very clever little way of just going, right, these guys are different. Mm. You get ready for this, um, and of course, I, I like um, Topol's look on her face when 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 he asked for the chicken. It's just that sort <laughs> of you know utter disgust, sort of you know the raised eyebrow, you know the typical sort of Tupole. That That's Topol being very emotional. <laughs>
0: I have to say, I recognise that that look on her face uh, a few times. I have uh, I've dated a few vegetarians uh, and one vegan in the past, and uh, I've I've seen that look before every time I've I've chowed down exactly on chicken, if, if anything else. So, uh, I have seen that before. Uh, nothing against vegetarians or vegans. I'm just saying I've seen that look before. Um, but yes, uh, it's yeah, it's 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 fun because it, it does play on all our preconceptions. Um, it's it's weird as well because. I always remember seeing interviews with Leonard Nimoy, whenever he was discussing the decisions that he took about Spock and what would then become Vulcan culture. He was always saying that they're vegetarians because they are touch telepaths. So if they are touching the meat, there was a uh, maybe an imprint or a sensation of the emotions that uh, that animal may have felt. Um, And I thought it was a very interesting take on it. And it, it. later played into this episode for me um as we get later into the this the the episode uh, to poll is exploring her emotions with this other character and everything else that comes with that but there was an element where i thought the guy doing it to her is a bit of a junkie and almost an emotion junkie so i'm wondering if all of the crew of this ship are in some way an emotion junkie that they are taking in the food they're taking in this meat to get that same sensation, but at a reduced level. And that perhaps the one who is with T'Pol is is, a, is the extreme version. He is the one who takes it that one step further and beyond uh, what is acceptable. Um, and it just, it made me think of that. I don't know, I don't know why it just brought that up in my mind. Uh, even though it's a fun scene, it's quite a dark, <laughs> dark thought that I just had about it. But it, it just seemed weird that maybe um, this entire crew is not necessarily uh, suspect that, uh, all of them have that sense of a junky emotion um um part to themselves um but we sort of get that as we carry on uh, we go into engineering and we have the eager vulcan we don't learn his name at this point in the episode but the eager vulcan who is uh put with trip so that he can learn about repairing the sensors and the and the the engines as well and he's he's interested to find out, you know, why do humans eat six meals a day? That they mate and they sleep at the same time. Uh, he's got all these incorrect notions of what a human being should be. Um, uh, any thoughts on the eager Vulcan and uh, the interactions that, that that Trip and he have?
2: He's a real highlight for me, actually. I really like him. He's a he, he comes across as a really nice person. Interesting. I don't know. He's he's sort of chubby as well, and I'm not sure. <laughs> If we see other chubby Vulcans, I can't. That's that is
0: true. Yeah, I, I yeah. was struggling to think. I I think of all the Vulcans I know, it's they're like they're always they're, skinny, always, they're always slender tall. and yeah yeah, yeah.
2: So, yeah. It's nice so to I don't know. know uh, yeah, um, I really like yeah, I really like him. He's he's just got like uh, he's he's like the balanced version of the other guy whose name I can't remember, but the the, the creepy guy. Mm. You know, he's he's sort of like what you'd hope would be the Vulcan sort of exploration of emotions and stuff, you know, mm. quite jovial, uh, interested, you know, engaging and stuff. So, yeah, I really like him, actually. I think he, he works really nice in, in the episode and especially as a counterpoint, maybe to the, the more sort of dark stuff that goes on.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, needed, obviously, the subject matter that will come up. Um, you needed that sort of um, valve to release the pressure, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if the whole episode had just been him and mm-hmm. it was him dealing with the, the negative aspects of emotion that he mm-hmm. was trying to run away from by being on the ship and not wanting to talk to his father and not wanting to engage with his family, um, that would have been an episode in in and of itself. It could have quite yeah. easily been that way. Um, and just as interesting. Um, yes, not hard hitting and probably ignores you know uh, subject matter that is a bit more um, uh, important to talk about like this episode does. But, yeah, uh, still an interesting side story. Uh, it was a nice B story that it didn't feel like it was mm. just shoehorned in. It felt real and believable.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think he's, he's a very good character. Mm. I'd like to have seen more of him, actually. Yes.
0: Yes. It was a real shame. And thinking the whole way through that, why we didn't have this crew, maybe with the Enterprise for a long period of time, mm. uh, we'd perhaps had them for a, you know, uh, a couple of episodes and maybe would have made this story even darker. But a far more interesting commentary on um what is to come yeah um, we go into a scene with Archer and we're finding out that there's there's a lot of back and forth between the crew. Uh, he wants the the secret recipe to the chicken masala, um, that it's top secret and Chef doesn't divulge his recipes. I do like that interaction. That was very funny. Uh, again, thinking back to previous episodes, Breaking Ice, where uh, the Vulcan was insistent that you can't have the secret plans to the engines, uh, and now Archer is being equally uh, the same about, about chicken masala. Um, uh, topol has a really good point about just because they know how to smile and eat chicken doesn't mean that they have mastered their emotions. Uh, it's a great point uh, about everything about how you can conceal the way you're feeling, um, that you know you don't talk about certain sub- subject matters uh, because you know how to to trick and get your way through life. You can do the life hacks, smile away, and people don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, any thoughts on on that that statement? It's a great line.
2: I think it it holds true for all of us, doesn't it? In lots of ways, I think um, as you say, it's a very good line. It's a very, it works really well, and it's very true. A very honest and true, true way of uh, looking at the world. Really, I think we're all we're all guilty, if that's the right word, of of hiding stuff. And and of course, you need to in life, and like you know, and obviously in, in Vulcan society, that's even more so. You know, that's. It's, it's basic the basis of Vulcan society, really. But even in our in our society, you know, there's you have to to some degree fit in, I suppose, um, and and sort of you know and sort of control your behaviours, just mm. as they do. In, you know, they do that to an extreme in in Vulcan society, but we all do it as well. So, mm. yeah, I think it's a very very true statement.
0: Mm it certainly touches on something that we discussed back in civilization um the idea of uh someone you know they, when they ripped the mask away you had a reptile skin underneath and that the other the being different um uh aspect and that they are the monsters because they look different well these are the people that are smiling and eating chicken and we like them because they're like us um and it did make me think of that and and the point that you brought up in that episode as well about the other the monster the the uh the difference um makes it scary but actually there is a more scary element in that you're only seeing the surface level you aren't really appreciating what's going underneath um, which can be just as monstrous or uh, as we're about to find out uh dangerous as well absolutely uh they're not the first and poll does tell us that there are other people who have tried this uh tour. And I thought it was a nice allusion to a Romulan backstory, the breakaway. But, you know, the humans aren't learning that there was this breakaway and there was another sect of Vulcans who've tried it before. Uh, And it makes believable sense. It's a great way of retroactively going through the canon and saying, well, of course, the Vulcans didn't tell them about the Romulans because they're ashamed of it. They don't want to talk about these people who want to go into emotions. And certainly if things like this happen, as will happen in this episode, of course, they're not going to talk about uh, Vulcans no. who go f- for the Vulcan I- I- emotional route. Um, so it's a very interesting, again, single line that T'Pol delivers, but explains so much when you look at the the history of the franchise. Uh, we go back to the mess hall uh, and we go back to our eager Vulcan again. Um, uh, oh, wait. nope, sorry. That's the wrong one. Uh, I've jumped ahead of my notes. We go back to the mess hall. <laughs> we go back to the mess hall. Uh, and then um, we find out that most of the crew are asleep. And there's uh, not much of a night shift, which is quite mm. disconcerting, uh, con- <laughs> considering how many times the Enterprise has been attacked already this season. Uh, how there's very few crew on a night shift. Uh, what are they doing? Uh, why is everyone asleep? And you know, is it just uh, T'Pol and Lieutenant Hess running the ship uh, in the off days? I don't know. Um, maybe it's uh, the uh, the pooper scooper as well, looking after uh, Porthos whilst uh, Archer's <laughs> asleep. Uh, but we get the first. Uh, icky scene, the, the first time that we get this uh, Vulcan, again, we haven't had his name spoken so far, but the Vulcan that Topol is working with, he's already invading her space, he's already standing too close, he's already being um, uh, too aggressive. Um, socially speaking and as we've just uh, discussed with that that side, you know, about smiling and eating your chicken he has none of that there's yeah. no filter whatsoever um, we do learn that she was on earth for two years and seven months Um, and then also how long she's been serving on board enterprise which allows us to locate the time for the episode finally for this episode uh, that it is November December time uh, 2151 we don't get an exact date but it would work out roughly that way um, we find out that T'Pol does have a sense of humour, which we have seen several times throughout uh, this season already. And it's very dark and it's very dry and it's very witty. And it's one of the reasons I love DePaul, Um, because it's just a single line. It could be a put down. It could be anything else. Uh, but um, any thoughts on, on this scene and uh, the other character?
2: Yeah. Um. This is maybe a reference for our UK audience and maybe not quite so American, but when I was watching it, I thought of Alan Partridge.
1: Oh, yeah. There's
2: an episode, um, I can't remember which episode it is, but he, he's basically going to record a, a boating video, a corporate video. And he asked um, Lynn, his assistant, to get a, a cracker to play his wife. And it, it feels to me like they the, 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 the director said, get me a creep, you know, <laughs> like, they couldn't, you know, he just, he's, he's such a creep, it's unbelievable, mm-hmm. the, I mean, he did a really good job, the actor, but, you know, I hope he's not, you know, he's not sort of challenging himself, now. I hope he's a, a, a master class of acting, rather than, <laughs> <laughs> because he's, he's just awful, I mean, he, you know, before we get to all the other stuff, he's just, you know, already, he's just awful, he's horrible, and creepy, and, I mean, he, he, he plays his part brilliantly, but mm. oh god, mm. um, you know that just the way you know the way he sort of talks about um, chamomile tea and stuff, mm. you know, and that's it's, it, everything he says is awful, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many uh, like line readings and just the way the actor is just. I don't like you. If I met yeah. you, uh, you know, at a social social event or anything like that, if you were like the partner of someone that I know. I just won't like you ever. Yeah. Um, I don't want to hang out with you. You just go (laughs) go away. I just want to enjoy a tea and do my work. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. And yes, the Alan Partridge thing is is perfect because it that character again for the US listeners, um, that character is basically everything you shouldn't say. (laughs) <laughs> and everything you shouldn't be uh, as a person uh all wrapped up into one character um he did have a movie at one point and i don't know yes. how famous or, or how international that went uh but it's just it's an uncomfortable it is a character um again played by the wonderful steve coogan uh, who is not like that as far as i'm aware <laughs> and, uh, but um, he plays he plays awful and awkward really well just like this actor does in this episode um yeah, it we learn about uh, sort of the propaganda from 5000 years ago that um you know it should be all logic not emotion and so forth as well. So there's other hints in this scene but it, the real takeaway is just how awkward it is around this man. But she goes along with it that uh, that's yeah. that's the weirdest thing it's that to seems so um together and sure of herself. It seems odd that she's giving him the time of the day. That, um, that she has been um, uh, willing to talk to him, uh, which, I mean, says how great she is as a character, um, that she is willing to work with him despite being so awkward. Or perhaps it's only something that we, as human beings, would mm. pick up. And because she's a Vulcan, she hasn't picked up those signals. She's almost the, the dark other side to her statement earlier, that because they smile and eat chicken, they haven't mastered emotion. But because they smile and eat chicken, she's kind of given them the benefit of the doubt, or she's, she's looking down on them. So she doesn't feel intimidated by him. So maybe she's not affected by his, his creepiness, his creep factor.
2: Yeah. I think, um, I would imagine actually in Vulcan society, you know, that to sort of say, I can't work with you would be quite a Mm. major thing. So maybe it's some of that it's sort of repressed, you know, you have to, you have to deal with somebody because, you know, Otherwise, you're being emotional and, and therefore that's, you've failed as a Vulcan, you know. That's true. So I think maybe yeah. there's some of that in there that sort of, she sort of, I get the feeling she doesn't like him, mm, mm. but it, it would be so un to go, like, I just don't go away, you know, <laughs> that she just can't quite bring herself to do it sort of thing. So I think uh-huh. maybe that's that's where it is. So she's sort of trapped by the convention of having mm. to work. Ooh, I like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, moving on to to the next scene, I mean, we then find out that uh, this nebula isn't what they thought it was, that the readings are completely different because of the telescopes millions of miles away, um, it it was a lot smaller. And because they're now closer and time has gone on, the nebula is much bigger. Um, So I thought that was a nice little aside to the science of what's going on. Um, But here we find out that uh, she's going to be placed on the ship, that Archer is going to assign her uh, to the crew. Um, we do get a Sirak statue and she goes on board yes. the, the, uh, the shuttle. This is the second time we've seen a Surak statue. Uh, one was very jaunty, uh, over in the Andorian incident where it had been toppled over and Topol made an incident of it. And it's the third time we've seen, uh, in air quotes, Sirak. Um, we've mm. seen him before back in season one of this podcast, back when we had the flashback time travel mind meld, what's it with, uh, with Archer. Uh, so it's the third time we've seen Serac as well. So he's he's becoming a bit of a trope, really, for this podcast. Uh, we've seen a lot of Serac so far. Um, we then get a discourse about disagreement of teachings, that hit the, the crew of this shuttle disagree that it should be all logic all the time, that perhaps we should try and fuse. We get the fusion, why the episode is called this, um, about... Uh, emotion with logic rather than just logic over emotion um any thoughts on on this early scene again he's still being creepy um but what they're saying as opposed to
2: what he's doing i think um actually what we see later on with is it season four with the sort of the, the triple bill um the what's it called now the um when they go through the desert and stuff, mm. and they get the, the chakra. Yes. I think we're seeing, actually, this is probably what Vulcans, not not to the extreme of these guys, but certainly the teachings feel like the teachings have been misinterpreted to this point anyway, mm. and we see that change later on. So I think maybe they're on – I don't know if they're on to something, maybe is the wrong word, but, you know, there's, there's a um, – there's an aspect where I think they, they've got a point in, actually. Mm, and mm. I think actually, if you look at Vulcans, I mean, even with, with T'Pol, when she, when, when Archer says, Oh, can you go and work on the other ship? Mm. The way she sort of says, yes, is so emotional, mm. you know, with yeah. without expressing a single emotion sort of thing, you know, <laughs> and, and that's, I always think that Vulcans are possibly the most emotional, um, sort of species in Star Trek in some ways. Yeah. You know, really, when you look at it, you know they they really are massively emotional, mm. and they sort of you know hide it all and pretend and stuff. But actually, that their emotions are there all the time. And and I think, um, yeah, so I think actually that they got a point. But mm. I, I think you know maybe as we see with with some of the events that it, it maybe they've gone a little bit too far or, or they've not quite got it right. But definitely, I think, um and we see later on that that there's definitely a move towards not embracing emotion. That's the wrong word. But, you know, I think, um, when we, when we look at say Spock and stuff or Tuvok, even, mm. although they're very unemotional, they're different to the character, to the Vulcans we're seeing at the moment, yeah. I feel. Mm. So, yeah, I think there's definitely, there's something in that, what they mm. say, but how they go about it is maybe a bit dangerous.
1: Yeah.
0: No. Yeah. It, it reminded me of the, there's the phrase in Star Trek six with, um, Valaris and Spock and Spock says that, um, logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end point. And that obviously these guys are taking, uh, the opposite route that, um, the emotion is the beginning and then logic is just an end point. It, it's something that you come to later and then try and fuse together. And the, the Vulcans, um, uh, generally speaking back on the homeworld, are pure logic, and then control emotion and emotion should not be part of the equation. And like you say, not necessarily doing it right, because they are very emotional. Um, But it it makes sense that an entire species would try and suppress them, because if that is the case, and even with logic in check, they are still yes. acting emotionally. Imagine how violent they yes. would have been. And it, it lends credence to their backstory of how violent things must have got on Vulcan, um, as we saw back in season one with the uh, atomic weapons going off every five seconds. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic and interesting. And I love how this episode adds a lot more layers to the mm. idea that there is this... Um, the break of denominations of different teachings of Serac. Um you know, you've you've got your Methodists and your Baptists, and you've got your Anglicans and Protestants, and you've got your Catholics. You know, if you take it the Christian uh, angle, you know, you, you can take that teaching and completely change and strip down yeah. the meaning in so many different ways. Um, and I really wish we we see more of that. Um, we yeah. get we get the the logic uh, anarchists. Uh, yes. or the logic extremists in this right, yes. you know the yeah. idea that you could take logic but use it to to be violent all the time yeah. um, and I, I do like that element and that it, it can be used to justify so many different things mm. um, so it's fantastic to see and explains a lot about the character of Michael Burnham. The fact that if she was brought up in a Vulcan society that is trying to repress emotion, why she is so emotional for good. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not having a go about it, that it explains why she is such an emotional character uh, and how believable it is that she acts the way she does because of her upbringing. Um, yeah. Uh, he suggests not meditating for the first yes. time and based on their conversation even though he's being creepy based on their conversation it kind of makes sense this is how we do it would you like to try it so at this point I wasn't feeling as though he was being or taking a step too far Um, he will do later on but at this point it's believable why he's doing it but it did feel like oh you know the first the first tie is free it's almost the drug dealer he's pushing that angle yes Um, he's much more believable he's much more um, amenable to what she would try and do uh, because she's admitted to having doubts, he leans yeah. on that one little thing, that little yeah. chink in her armor, and goes from there. Um, a- any thoughts on, on how we
2: approach uh, it? I agree. I mean, I think um, that that yes, it. When, once you see the whole episode, it feels very creepy. But uh, actually, it's almost like a sort of like a cult or something, or, or mm. you know, that they really want to. You know, almost I don't know, if cult's the right word, but. Sort of someone that's that's found something that they really want to share. He does it in quite a creepy way. I think the other the other uh, Vulcan would be much more exuberant and sort of you know I'll oh, have a give it a go and it'd be great and stuff. But he's like, give it a go, you know, and sort of you know, <laughs> and and all horrible. And but um, yeah, I think it makes sense again. And it it doesn't, as you say, at, when you watch it the first time, it doesn't bode badly. It just was well, you know, you just think oh this is not going to work out, but you don't mm-hmm. realize, you know, the sort of the underlying motives and stuff. But, um, I think it's interesting, you know, again, I suppose, you know, you would, you know, this is one of the not problems that's maybe the wrong word, but one of the, the weaknesses of Star Trek is that, you know, the cultures, the, the alien cultures are very monoculture.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we don't see a, a sort of, you know, a, a sort of, a, a what's the word a gradient of of um, of behaviours and ideas and stuff really whereas this is sort of the first little thing where they're saying well you know we do this it works for us give it a go
1: mm.
2: and I think that would be yeah that, that, it makes sense
0: mm. and she she will go ahead with it and she mm. will because it, it was that sort of believable aspect of you know don't knock it till you try it sort of thing um, yeah. and if it's just one night where she doesn't meditate it's quite reasonable um you know she is a scientist as the the creepy guy does say um we get the relief from that scene and we go to the mess hall now and this is where we get eager vulcan again again we haven't learned his lane at this point uh and we ask about quarterbacks and how violent american football can be uh trip is asking about sex and we kind of get the when harry met sally moment where uh, he suddenly shouts out blow sex and the, (laughs) the thing i love about this scene is that as soon as that is said Two seconds later, returns turns up. Uh, as soon as sex was shouted across the mess hall. Uh, sorry, are we talking about sex? Um, and he, he sits down. We learn about the seven-year mating cycle, um, yeah, we, we know that there's a bit of a callback to Breaking Ice that Trip knows about arranged marriages and how does that work. Um, but it leaves on a scene, and the trope that I hate the most about all TV, not just Star Trek, they leave the food on the plates, on the table, <laughs> And go and finish off whatever they're doing. They don't put them away. Uh, where's Flocks as well? You know, normally he's nicking food off of people's plates. He's got three plates just sitting there that he could easily just enjoy. Um, any thoughts on on the sex scene?
2: Um, actually, when I watched it, I thought of you. Uh, the reason I, not that, that sounded really bad, didn't it? I didn't mean really like that.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I love you too, was, Dan.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. Um, this is a strange moment to to express this, isn't it? No, um, um. I thought of you because of Reed. I knew you'd picked <laughs> up on that and it made me laugh. Uh, it was typical Reed, wasn't it? It was absolutely creepy. Two days and two nights Reed. Yeah. You know? Yes. Uh, so yeah, I think, um, yeah, other than that, yeah, it's, it's quite a nice little scene. Again, it's quite nice. So what we're getting is, um, some, some explanation of stuff that we know is about with Far and stuff like that, that they obviously wouldn't have known about. And, and, um, but, yeah just a nice little quite amusing enjoyable scene yeah but reed was um, was a highlight definitely
0: <laughs> yeah it's like a public school boy who, who's only been ho- hanging out with only boys yeah <laughs> you know, exactly it's, yeah it's, it's the single gender school and it's like oh yeah about sex Ooh. um yeah crazy but yeah it made me laugh just it, seconds seconds worth of timing whether that yeah. was intentional or not i thought it was fantastic um we move on to the next scene where Admiral Forrest has called us and he, we now get the name for our enthusiastic Vulcan, Kov. And we find out that his father is dying and that there's uh, an estranged relationship between him and his family, uh, that uh, he needs to get in contact. There's an interesting line where he says, the high command lets you keep your science officer. Mm. Uh, now back in uh, the um, uh, uh Breaking Ice and incident, everything that happened there, there was this illusion that they wanted to pull to come back. Then we had Shadows of Pajem, where it was sort of like a, a play by Archer to try and convince them. And it made it seem as though Archer convinced them. But now we're getting the other side, or at least from the Vulcans uh, aspect, that uh, they let him do it, that they're only uh, willing to put up with Archer's nonsense up to a certain point. Yes. Now you have to you know pay us back. you know you've, you've, uh, you've paid the piper now uh, for letting us keep uh, to poll. Uh, any thoughts on, on that aspect?
1: Um, I
2: guess the, the thing that struck me actually was how unvulcan, again, how unvolcan it was to request help. Mm. from the humans it it must have been you know difficult for them to do that i think so it it just shows how important that was to them and again it's a very emotional thing you know that time of, of death and stuff and being close to death is very emotional for humans and clearly you know that that is is important enough or yeah important probably is the right word but to to make them break with with maybe how they would want to do things, and I can't imagine they would want to request something from Bolt, from Archer. Mm. Mm. So I think that yeah, it just shows again that that level of emotion that is there, that maybe they they like to believe isn't there, but it's definitely there.
0: Absolutely. Um, with that level of emotion, we go into the next scene where to is now um, giving over. Uh, to this experiment and uh, she's not meditating and we get the first what i kind of uh, say and i don't use it flippantly the mind rape scene um yeah. that's basically what's happening here um whether he is invading her mind or whether it's her subconscious and he is the visual representation of that i i wasn't entirely sure now yeah. later in disco we find out that there is this element where you can project yourself over vast distances so t- telepathy wise maybe there is some something going on there and we have seen in TOS where Spock was able to somehow uh, influence the guard outside the door I think it's in uh is it Taste of Armageddon or something like that where he's able to somehow yes. telepathically communicate yeah so, yep there's an element where i think is he projecting himself into her mind or whether it's her uh, but we get the jazz club scene the first allusion to this jazz club scene interesting uh, that the in the costume she is wearing a kind of hijab or something that looks mm. similar to a hijab mm. and i was wondering like if that is a commentary on society that that's the way humans were perceiving or she she felt like she had to dress differently because of a culture were they trying to go somewhere with that Um, Any thoughts on this first meditation scene? It's very, very weird,
2: disjointed imagery. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think maybe the the sort of hijab thing is maybe more to do with um, Vulcan... What's the word? Um, Sort of being... God, if I could remember the right word, it would be great, wouldn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's always the thing, isn't it? Yeah,
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But um, not modesty, that's the wrong word. But, you know... Being covered up is is I don't know. Is, I, I mean, I'm trying not to put sort of human thoughts mm. onto it, but you know, when you're going out into 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 um onto the earth or not? Yeah, oh, that sounds ridiculous. But you know, when you're coming out of the the compound, mm. you need to be sort of protected or something. I don't mm. know. Quite again, mm. you know, and it would be you you know you you'd be very sort of you don't need to be flashy or dressed up or anything because you know why would you need to do that you got no emotions you know
1: um
2: but I think again it's it's really interesting with with and how how she's managed to live with humans Hmm. this is another little thing that says that maybe she's just that little bit different to the average Vulcan you know the, the the sort of the the excitement and and sort of in, you know, the, the enjoyment she gets from the jazz mm. is, a feels to me, I mean, jazz is probably the most un <laughs> form of music in some ways. Maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe um, hip-hop or something it might be, but, you know, um, it's it's very unvulcan. You know, it's very sort of chaotic and, and you know, lots of emotion and, and ex- you know, expression and stuff like that. So for her to enjoy that, is interesting in itself. I think
1: mm.
0: it, it's it is weird. I mean, why was it jazz? You know, why yeah. was jazz the thing? And it, I, I realize that you know behind the scenes and in in our real world that it's because you can't sort of copyright jazz yeah. because it is just it's it's in the moment. It's not going to be something that um, you have to pay uh, any royalties for or anything yeah. like that. But uh, you know, it could be hip hop. Wouldn't it be yeah. fantastic if it was yeah. a hip hop thing and it is this joyous um big you know uh, emotional expression uh, a music art form um and it would just make it more up to date and it just would be fun to see um you know uh, maybe someone doing a run DM- dmc demonstration yes. and just, you know if <laughs> straight out of Compton is just the playing in the background or something <laughs> you know there's there's loads of references going on um uh but yeah it's it's so many different imagery uh mm. throwing together uh surak statue shatters um, yes na- of course, so yeah. not only is this now the second Sirach statue we've seen it's now also been pushed over and destroyed mm. so you know it just keeps that trope going for us um but it clearly has an impact and we go over to a scene with flocks now this is a really interesting one because as i was sort of researching the episode and trying to see where does this land why do people like it do the people hate it um there's a lot of people who come down on flocks in this scene and saying that he was almost enabling um, the creepy Vulcan, and I, I. Every time I tried to rewatch this scene, I, I couldn't see it for myself. Now maybe that's because I personally have not suffered a domestic abuse. I have not done that, and maybe I'm not seeing this. But he was warning caution that mm. this is an examination of emotion he wasn't necessarily saying oh you know stay with the creepy vulcan he's perfectly safe don't worry he wasn't giving him an out he wasn't protecting him which seems to be the the criticism people have of this this moment um i i didn't see that happening i was wondering if you had
2: no not really i think um it's almost like what would happen i think if if you wasn't aware of what was going on underneath Mm -hmm. you know as you say, I mean, I think there's, there's, I think Flock sort of says it that there's nothing inherently wrong with experimenting, you know, trying this, you know, but obviously what Flox isn't aware of is the the ulterior motives mm. that that led led him to sort of suggest to do this. So I think, um, I no, I don't think it, I don't think it was Flock's just being sort of blind to this i don't think there was any real i mean maybe yeah again maybe i'm in the same boat as you I, you know
1: mm. not
2: having been through that i don't you know maybe i there were signs that you would see or you should see mm. um but i don't think at that point there was to be mm. honest with you i don't think it it's a fair criticism of flocks yeah it, it
0: certainly i mean looking at it in a temporal way and um, seeing it as a journey for these characters and, and if you were to think that these were believable characters we had a uh, cold front where Phlox was examining his faith. And even though that element of the story wasn't really examined and was an almost throwaway part of the episode, you could see that a character who was so open to this religious viewpoint last, you know, last month in the chronology yes. of the, the, the season, that he would be just as open to other people being um, um, willing to explore things like emotion. Yes. Um, uh, as unusual as that might be for a Vulcan to do, he said, you know, take your time. He did say, you yeah. know, don't rush into it, take your time, see how it goes. Um, yeah. It, it just seemed weird that as I was reading it, I was really genuinely surprised because I, I failed to see it myself again. If someone out there, if someone listening to this program uh, feels that um, uh, I've missed the point, please let me know, get back in the feedback. I'm willing to to, to know that I've done something wrong and not seen something. Um, but it, i couldn't see it for myself i couldn't see flocks enabling uh the abuser uh, which is uh, sometimes the the accusation lobbied at this particular moment um we uh, move over to archer and Kov, and now we get um archer trying to convince him to talk to his father um and that they said their goodbyes a long time ago it's a wonderful scene uh, again we sort of already know that this was coming because we'd already had the forest scene uh, but anything about um, the two of them as they interact
2: um, I think again, it's it's just a really, as you say, a nice scene. And, and again, it's a it's a shame in a way that that Kov wasn't the focus of this episode. Really, mm. I mean, again, it would have been a very different episode. But he was such a, you know, it's a, again, it's a such a real reaction, a real sort of, you know, I, I know that you know my my partner, for instance, has you know it's, it's a it's sort of a, a difficult relationship with her mum, you know, and 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 that. You know, that's a very real, you know, there's there's all sorts of conflicting emotions, there's all sorts of you know, it's it's difficult. And I think that comes across really nicely, you know, and, and um and I think also um with with Cov maybe not being able to not manage but sort of understand his emotions, although, you know, they've spent eight years sort of experimenting, but it's still, you know, it's still very difficult for a Vulcan, I think, to mm you know so he's got these conflicting emotions that that are very difficult for him and and that comes across really well and again i think you know it's a shame that cov isn't isn't more of the episode really because he's a great character yeah and when you think of it your
0: vulcan lifespan being so long as it is eight years is a blip you know eight years is in you know if your dog is is this just two years to a human you know that's not yep. a long time um they they often say that in grief um it takes two years to recover mm-hmm. so you know what would estrangement from your father be like for a Vulcan um it, maybe it would take 50 years as we saw with Spock and Sarek um you know they had a hundred years where they never talked to each other yeah. um it's a hard relationship they seem to have and seems to be a trope for Vulcans that uh, yep. Fathers and sons just don't seem to get on. Um, even Tuvok used to talk about how he got on with his daughter, mm. but always had problems with his son. Uh, yes. Maybe it's something part of their their culture. I don't know. Um, That's it's, interesting. I didn't would thought be, of that, but it would be something maybe to come back to in 50 years when I finally catch up with Star Trek <laughs> and I've watched it all. Maybe it is something that we'll come back to. Um, we now go into uh, the scene and we finally get the name for the creepy Vulcan, Tolaris. It's the first time it's actually said in the episode um we get instant creep this is the peer pressure this is the moment where he crosses the line he moves from just a a nice little suggestion maybe try meditating see what we're about you know give it a try uh this is where it it becomes the problem he's talking about the compound he's now really drilling into that moment of doubt that she seemed to have back at the jazz club um he asks um and sort of prods her into feeling um but doesn't ask her permission to do so yeah. he just asks her to do it uh, and that's really the moment where i feel like it, it crossed the line um anything on this early stage this isn't quite the the moment where it's yeah the real assault but it is the first moment where he crosses the line
2: uh, yeah i agree i think it's just it, it's as simple as that really it's that moment where when you first watch it you realize that i think you get you get the feeling right from the beginning that he's a creep there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that but this is the moment where you realise that actually, you know, this is going to be, this is wrong. And and and, um, and it's, as you say, I think you said earlier, the sort of emotion junkie thing comes out mm. a little bit there. I think you, you do see almost, it's almost like that hunger in the eyes, mm.
1: Mm.
2: you know, and, and it, it definitely takes a turn for the dark at this point.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: And even uh, in the next scene, Archer is talking to Trip and he seems unsure of pushing... Mm pull that way, even though he's not had any conversation with pull about him, as far as we, the audience, have seen, um, Trip sort of bashes it off as, you know, maybe you're jealous, you know, you're not getting the attention. Now she's going over to a Vulcan uh, side, you know, if you'd spent this long time uh, with uh, a bunch of Vulcans, surely yeah. if you saw a ship with humans, that would make sense and all believable and i have yeah. no hatred for trip in fact i love trip in this episode so you know trip i've gone the other way i completely i'm 100 on Trip's trip side in this entire episode so uh, maybe this was the turning point for me back in the day when yeah suppressed. who knows um but it's all believable at that point but clearly archer has picked up on something and um, maybe he's getting better at picking up the emotional cues mm. from a vulcan uh, which when they're suppressed is harder to spot but maybe he's getting there now um then it goes back to them again, and we get the mind meld scene. We get the the, the moment of uh, the abuse, the, yeah. the the moment where he really does take it too far. Um, yeah. He he does warn her, or he does ask her permission, but it's immediately followed up. There's not even a yes. second beat. It's immediately followed up with him pressuring her to do it and yeah. guilt tripping her. You know, yeah. it, it's the illusion that he's doing it. And asking her permission and being very uh, plain, plain uh, yeah. b- believable about it, but if you don't do it, obviously you're just you know wrong because you yeah. should be trying it out. That is, it's really hard scene to watch. Yes, um, he holds her head; she's clearly distressed. She says no. He carries on anyway. Um, it's really, I mean, considering this came out 2001, um, it still hits today. It's 20 years on, you know, you can see a lot more graphic scenes like, uh, than this on TV uh, and frequently do in, in many media. Um, it's still a great scene in that it's a believable portrayal of what I would imagine this kind of abuse to be, um, but very distressing and very hard to watch. Um, a- any thoughts, really, on, on this moment?
2: Yeah, I think you're, you're right in a way. It is a well done scene. I hate to say that because it's awful. Mm.
1: Yeah. But yeah, you know,
2: but it it's it's very powerful. I think it's I think we have this issue again with with you know the the sort of use of female characters.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: you know and and whether that should be allowed not allowed us <laughs> whether it's needed I suppose. Yeah. You know, whether we need to do that and whether that story was needed needed to be told. Um, again, you know, we can go back to the cov thing and say, could we could we made an episode about Cov? Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it's very hard to watch and and um yeah, it's, uh, I've been thinking about this uh, this scene quite a lot, you know, mm. obviously mm. because it's you know, I knew it was coming up and stuff, and we were going to talk about it and mm. and I, I just I, I wonder. I wonder why they did it. Mm.
1: Mm.
2: It makes it for a you know makes it a very powerful a powerful episode in lots of ways. Yeah. Um but for all the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah. For all you know it and it's just I think I think an episode about emotional Vulcans, you needed you needed a, a downside
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: in some way, but I'm not sure that this was the downside you needed. Yeah. And and there's there's all sorts of questions to be asked about why this the decisions were made that were made. Um, particularly, I think there's, an, there's a scene a bit later on when they're in bed. Well, not in bed. That's a the right, a wrong way. But you know, in her in, mind, she's in seeing, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. again, which you know we can you know we've talked to before about the sort of use of of the female and amount male to, to, to degree, but you know, the females in, in Star Trek Enterprise and how they're mm. they're objectified and stuff. And again, you know, you've got this this scene and why do you need the next scene? Or not maybe not the next scene, but the the scene in, in bed as such. Why mm. do you need that? You know it's a really difficult one because it does it is the sort of the the dramatic core of the episode, I suppose. Yeah. But it's a very difficult one to 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 justify i think Mm. yeah it's it feels like it's it's a story
0: that should be addressed i mean star trek is about issues it's about politics it's about the real world and placing a sci-fi veil over it so you can talk about these things this domestic violence which is what it is uh this rape with what it is um mind rape in this particular sci-fi context um is a story that should be told it should be discussed. It should be criticized. It should be about um, not necessarily answering the problem, but addressing it and having that ability to talk about it. But it plays into a long trope for Star Trek, and the whole franchise is guilty of it, that if you've got a female character, she is going to go through this kind of story. And it doesn't It doesn't feel like it had to happen. You're right. Uh, but talking about things like this, not talking about things like this, hmm. um, is also equally dangerous so having a story like this and having a moment and a scene like this makes it believable um whether you need to do it yeah that's that's the problem
2: i I suppose thinking about that and you you just got me thinking really is that maybe if there was more of a um a payback or a a consequence then maybe that would would make it but you know it's not really a consequence as such Mm -hmm. you know they just sort of they go away and carry on with their journey, you know. So maybe that would have justified it a bit more. Mm-hmm. It, it just feels not gratuitous, maybe it's maybe not quite the right word, but it, I'm not sure it was needed. And especially, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're right. These, these subjects need to be talked about, certainly,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, but it's a bit like, um, you know it's a bit like you can you don't have to show things in order to show them if that makes sense yeah um you know you can you can do it other ways you can you know there, there are ways of, of telling a story without you know sort of showing a, a graphic scene of of rape as you say you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah uh, the, the the callous way he gets up and then leaves um, after he's he's had his hit of emotion, yes, he's taken what absolutely. he needed from her, yeah. uh, and then you know, says that she was disappointing, that she is the one that needs to be shamed. Um, it's amazing that at the end of the scene, we don't just leave her, that she mm. does get up, she presses the button, and she calls sickbay straight away, yeah. that she has... The strength of herself to know that there is a procedure now. There is something yeah. you need to do. You need to make yeah. him atone for what he's done. Yeah, um, which I do like, and that is, at least is somewhat of a consequence. It, it shows that you know the the victim will get something. You know, yeah. she she will she'll be able to then take um, her suffering and then deal with it. Um, whether that is satisfactorily resolved, uh, and jumping a scene ahead, uh, when Archer is dealing with it. Yeah. i like i like for one that it's a man stopping a man and you know telling him that this is unacceptable yeah i love the way that he plays with him when he's doing it that there's like this i'm going to tear you down i don't like you you need to get off my ship yeah but it doesn't go anywhere that there is no there is no resolution where was the captain you know where was captain yeah. Tavin? why was he not brought in to subdue uh talaris and uh, bring him down you know you brought shame on our ability to try and explore emotion you know yeah. uh, our kosh tour is now ruined because of what you've done um that there was a consequence there that maybe another vulcan ship that was nearby pulls in mm. and takes him yeah, into custody yeah. yeah seeing that scene would have been far more of a payoff uh, yeah. and you know a, a definite um message to carry forward that you do stuff like this there are consequences there is a definite um resolution to this you will be prosecuted now it's hard to think that that is the, the case in the real world because as we've seen with statistics yep. as we have seen in the recent news stories of um women who have been raped by police officers and yep. the, all of the um the um uh, the, the horrible uh, use and abuse of power that is done by yeah. by authorities um that that doesn't happen that uh, abusers are not prosecuted maybe that's why the episode didn't offer that solution that actually he's free to to abuse again and he is out there in you know in the real world as much as uh, archer has kicked him off the ship that's the best that's going to happen and that's actually more of a comment i think on this entire situation than anything else
2: Yeah, I agree. I think, um, yeah, it lacked that. It needed that. I mean, you'd hope in the 22nd century there was some kind of, you know, some kind of payback or payback's the wrong word, but, you know, some kind of consequence for for your actions.
1: Hmm.
2: And again, I suppose it's the episodic nature of Star Trek to a degree. You know, it's, you know, again, maybe that would have been more interesting to explore if we had, you know, a couple of episodes, as you said earlier, with with the Vulcan ship, you know, if the Vulcan ship had stayed with them mm. to the next episode, and and the repercussions of of what had happened would have would have been much more explorable and, and much more, you know, in depth and stuff. So, mm. yeah, it just it's it's just a real shame that they didn't they didn't do something that that had a consequence to it because yeah. it, it needed that to. You know, as you say, in the real world, unfortunately, the the fact is that you know the consequences are often, you know, there, there's no consequences often, which is a, you know a stain on our on our society really. Mm. Um, but there was an opportunity there to say, no, actually, there is there is consequence for this, and there should be consequence, even if you, you know, even if you just say there should be consequence, you yeah. know and in the future there will be consequences. yes we know in in society today it's it's not but you know there will be in the future and this is you know and you know again you know the, there's there's good reason for bringing this stuff up and and talking about this stuff. Mm. but again it felt like a it felt like the way things are now aren't going to change and that that's a terrible message to send isn't it? yeah
1: you know yeah
2: so yeah again, you know it's it's difficult for us or for me to talk about because you know I'm fortunate I've never experienced anything like that, but mm. you know it's a terrible thing to to see and 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 again, I think you know we we didn't need to see it or at least we didn't need to see it as graphically as we did, mm. and um yeah, I wish there was some more consequence in there, absolutely
0: to. End on a lighter note to move it on to the other scene to go back to Cov. There are two yep. scenes here: Cov with Trip, and we get the story of the girl at the dance. Uh, yep. and and how he regretted for the you know 20 years that he never got to talk to her. And then that prompts Cov to then contact his father in two scenes time, and we find out that actually his father's on the recovery, maybe he's on the mend, there's a new drug, there's a new treatment. Um, that maybe there's a bit of hope out there to amend old wounds uh, and um uh, perhaps they will get back in contact again that is the at least the hopeful mission mesh- message there that uh, family uh, can always come together but yeah like you say there's there's not the con- consequences for that part of the episode um and i wish there really were um that really brings us to the end there is a, a nice little scene with topol and archer which i'm not entirely sure where they're going with it but to says i i envy your ability to dream So in the context of the episode, she's envying his ability to perhaps balance his emotion and his logic or his rationale. Um, But I felt like maybe it was a more meta commentary on Mm. I, I envy you as a man not having to go through this. And I, as a woman, you know, go through this a lot. Um, or yes. you know, uh, other women go through this all the time. I envy your ability to dream. I envy your ability to maybe be a bit freer in society than I am. Mm. Um, uh, I wondered whether that was what they were going for. Whether that was perhaps the consequence that actually that's the bigger comment than the the abuse that was part of the episode. That actually men don't deal with this problem. It's it's a it's women's problem. Uh, men are abused. I know that that, that does happen. I'm not sh- uh, you know forgetting that, but statistically yeah. wise women are going to suffer more. Um, And that perhaps that was a meta commentary on that. Uh, Any thoughts on this final scene?
2: That's really, uh, that hadn't hadn't occurred to me, Um, but it's interesting. I mean, maybe it's, for me, it was more like, um, in a weird way, there was one tiny, tiny or one bonus or one good thing come out of not meditating. Mm. The dream Maybe there was something in there was something in that mm. that that actually to pull valued. Mm. That's how I read it. Was more like, um, you know, she she feels that she can't explore that further, and not just I don't think just because of what happened, but also I think you know she struggled with it anyway. Mm. Um, and I feel that she maybe she felt that she she um, envied the humans ability to do that and she Mm. maybe would have liked to have been able to do that if it had had been a more positive experience maybe she would have gone further with that um but it's interesting yeah maybe that is i hadn't that yeah i just hadn't that hadn't occurred to me but it's a really interesting idea and i like that idea that maybe you know there was an attempt at least to sort of put some of the context in to the episode you know and say look you know women do struggle with this stuff and have to live with this stuff all the time. And as you say, men do it to a degree as well. But you know, women have it all the time in in tiny little microaggressions and mm. little, you know, sort of little things and and just attitudes and stuff. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. yeah. I, I like that idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's that constant thing of placing our values now twenty years on from yes. the making of this episode. You know, am I seeing too much into this episode or was that genuinely something that the writer was trying to do? Um, it's it's always a difficult balance to try and think that because it, it feels so recent. The Enterprise is still a fairly recent show to me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, it feels like it should it should be in the same vein or at least the same psychology that uh, that we are still today. Um, but there we go. And the episode has finished. We've located it. Uh, we're going to move on to consequences. Now, we've we've mentioned a lot of consequences or lack of uh, for the episode. But when we talk about this particular um, uh, ratings criteria, what are the consequences for the Federation? Is there anything that happens in this episode that will change how the Federation, Starfleet, the future of the galaxy will operate?
2: No. No. I can't think of anything, to be honest with you. I mean, all we get is... a. I suppose the humans have a sl- slightly better understanding of, of Vulcan sexuality but you know I don't think that because I don't think I think um when we come to TOS the punfar episode I don't think they're aware of it at all so that That's it. Yeah so that hasn't been sort of carried over and, and sort of oh yeah it's it's Spock's punfar we all know about that because of because of Kov
1: Yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> So, no, I don't think there's any consequence, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird because what if, you know, this entire incident was swept under the rug? Uh, yeah. what what if they let talaris go and this just doesn't doesn't get taught in starfleet anymore you know yeah. this isn't part of the required reading course is that a really damning indictment of uh you know you have to learn about you know all these nebulas and quantum mechanics and everything like that but interpersonal relationships we don't report on that that's it yeah. that gets completely forgotten um yeah i can't see any consequences either i can't see there's no there's no alerts there's no ways that a starship is run that changes from this um it, it is an interpersonal story and remains that, that that that's all it is um so from consequences we go to alterations now uh, anything you want to see expanded changed altered about the episode
2: i would definitely like to see more of cov yeah i think we've said that and you know i'm not breaking any any new ground with that I think um, we didn't need to see quite as graphic a um, rape scene as we did, or rape mm. scenes, in fact. Um, and I would have liked to see consequence mm. um, for the actions and much more there. So nothing really that we haven't already touched on, really, Yeah, I think. Um, for me, for me um,
0: the alteration would have been to take the flock story from Cold Front that was largely forgotten. Okay. And maybe place it in this. Maybe have both the Vulcan ship, but also the religious ship that was there, the plumes of Agasauria, you know, have that as part of the arachnid nebula. Um, Mm. And it had a wider discussion about perhaps beliefs, um, the way that you open yourselves up to different aspects of culture. Maybe have had the uh, IOMV, your ability to dream discussion between flocks and uh, to the two opposite ends of the argument—the yeah. the optimist and the pessimist, or the you mm. know the the realist that Tupole, um is part of—that um, uh, his discussion that he was able to uh, engage with this quite freely, but she wasn't, and that she was um, you know uh, abused for it and um, let down by it. Um, I think it could have been interesting to have had a bit more exploration um, of that um, for all of the crew. Yeah, uh, keep yeah Mor more Morkov more all the time. Uh, <laughs> love him. Really wish he'd stayed on the crew. Maybe yeah. he he'd heard what Tolaris has done, became yes. disillusioned with it, and then stayed on the Enterprise as a side character that comes in every now and mm-hmm. then. Uh, and you know, Elkov, if you talk to your dad lately, keep that going. Him, <laughs> you know that sort yeah. of thing. And then there's another Vulcan on the ship that T'Pol yeah. can then be with and. And be comfortable around, as opposed to Talaris, that you know she's she's able to have that part of her culture still with her, um, and that maybe her example of living with the humans. Now there's a new Vulcan on board the human ship, and she's she's bringing in more crew, and um, she's opening up the, these doors to people, and how uh, wonderful and inspirational she could be. Um, it would have been nice. I, I would have liked to have kept Cobb around for a bit, um, and also okay. for Trip.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I've probably said this before, but and another, there's another little short track there, isn't there? The mm. fallout after, you know, on 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 back on the on the Vulcan ship, you know, as you say, I mean, I hadn't thought that really, but Kov, you know, I think that it would have been shocking to him, you know, he, you know, he would have really struck, you know, and and that again, I mean, maybe that's an alteration or. a you know it would, have been, it would have been really interesting to see even if there wasn't any sort of legal consequences mm. the consequence in the relationships on the ship mm. and and how and again how it would have affected people's feelings about their experiment or their you know what they were trying to do and and you know yeah i think that would have been would have been fascinating
0: mm. captain Tavin at least and the the mm. reprimand that he would give towards yeah. t- and you know, shoot him into a uh, an escape pod and leave him there at the nebula yeah. nebula because that's where you need to stay. Yeah. Um, and uh, think about what you've done. You know, the just the real come down on on Talaris and yeah, and um, a, a genuine consequence for what he is. And you know, we've we've contacted the nearest Vulcan ship and they will pick you up. And we don't want you in here anymore. Something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Uh, but there we go. Um, recommendations is our uh, next criteria do we recommend to star trek fans this episode is it an essential part of the watch through
2: Uh, there's a pause i hope uh, i don't know if the (laughs) pause will stay into the edit but there's a there's a pause
1: um
2: do you know what normally i i know straight away but this one i don't know about because you know i think I think I'm going to fall on the side of no because I think, you know, there's no sort of long-term consequences. There's nothing that sort of feeds into the future and stuff like that, really. And other than Kov and that sort of storyline and, and that's sort you know, do you really want to put sit through it? Is it something you want to sit through? Mm. And if you want to sit through it, then... You know, maybe you need to have a think about, you know, why you want to sit through that.
0: Yeah, some life no. choices. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I'm going to go on on, on the side of no.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm exactly the same. You you mirrored exactly what I, my thought process was. It's important because we learn a lot about Vulcan culture. Mm. We get uh, this idea that there is this exploration of emotion um, to um, uh, to sort of highlight that you know maybe the Romulans were part of this Kosh tour um, uh, there's so much lore law that's sort of explored in the episode. but ultimately, why would you want to sit through watching one of your favorite characters be abused? yeah it's that's not fun. Um, whether you, whether you're a Star Trek fan or not, it's that's something hard to come back to. It's an important issue. it's something yep. that we need to talk about as we've just done, but do you want to sit through that? Um you know we're not burying our heads in the sand by ignoring it no. um, but it's not essential to Star Trek it's a it's a story that needs to be told but it can be told in any um franchise any sci-fi yes. criteria or any just general TV show this this is a medical drama uh, yes. of an abused woman going to a doctor or going to her best friend and seeing how things get um, dealt with. Um, and the fact that there's no consequence in this episode um, is is almost anti-Star Trek in that mm. there is no there mm. is no hope. There's no hope that the yes. abuser will get away with it and be free to do it again um, without those extra scenes that we wanted to see, the consequence scenes. Um, it's hard to watch and, yep, can't be part of Star Trek. Um, not that it shouldn't be part of Star Trek. Um, yeah. For non-Star Trek fans, do you think Definitely. that this is an entry point?
2: No, it's, it's not, is it?
1: No.
2: No, let's be honest. Yeah. I think for, for all the reasons we've already set out, really. Yeah. Um, you know, you won't go, oh, check out Star Trek. This is great. You can check this one out. <laughs> you know, it really isn't the sort of... Uh, Feel bad about yourself. Ca- and yeah, all, exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, it doesn't really capture the spirit of Star Trek in any way, you know, or or anything like that. And in fact, it's just a bit icky and horrible and unpleasant, really. Yeah. Yeah. So no. So no. A big fat
0: no. A fat no. Yeah. Uh, with you there, it's maybe you could argue the case that a new person coming in who sees Star Trek as oh, it's the, you know the thing with the aliens and the prosthetics and a bit you know a bit of shooty shooty. It's just a silly sci-fi show, and here they're dealing with a real-world issue in almost a real world way. I know there is the mind meld element, which is the sci-fi veneer, but this is a real issue. It's still going on. It's still happening in the world Um, that, Oh, wow. Star Trek does deal with the the hard topics, Mm. but equally if you want to make a Star Trek fan and it's about learning about what Star Trek is, it's hard to say this is what Star Trek is trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I can't recommend this episode as a as a gateway drug. So. <laughs> not that I should really, not that I should really be talking about junkies and drugs, really, considering what we've just discussed. Um, and that is it. That is it for this episode. Uh, thank you again so much, Dan. Um, just uh, plug away the podcast before I let you. Yes. Go.
2: Academic Trek. Um, so uh, find it where you find your podcasts, and Twitter is at Academic Trek Forty Seven. So, yeah, if you want to, um, if you're an academic who wants to talk, then then get in contact with me. If you just want to uh, talk Star Trek, then that's great as well. Uh, yeah, thank you. And thanks for joining. Uh, and thanks for letting me join the episode. Enjoyed it. It was very interesting as ever. Difficult subject, but enjoyable conversation. Always. So thank you.
0: Always good and a pleasure to have you, sir. Um, right. Well, all that remains is for me to set up the next episode. Uh, join me next time for season three episode 19 of the podcast and season one episode 17 of uh, enterprise as we go to rogue planet uh thank you as always for joining us here and again if you are um, moved by any of the uh, things discussed here and if you have any experiences that to, to do with this talk to someone get in contact uh, call the phone numbers that were at the beginning of this episode uh, and find the support you need Uh, And that uh, this podcast and as I'm sure all the other podcasts, including Academic Trek, always stand with you and uh, we believe you um, all the way. Thank you very much. And yeah, uh, I'll see you in the next time stream. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temporal Trek Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter. At Ryder underscore coattail. Also search the Temple Trek podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction, and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch
1: on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream.